Father, we honor you today and, and we ask for the Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word. God, let all of us have ears to hear. Let us have eyes to see, hearts to understand. That your word would speak to us right where we are and we would learn how to apply it and walk this out. We thank you for your word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our paths. We honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Go to begin this morning in Deuteronomy chapter 11. Deuteronomy 11. I want to take a couple of Sundays. I want to talk to you about paths of blessing. Paths of blessing. Paths that will bring blessing into our lives. And I want to start with the principle that we find in Deuteronomy 11. Look at verse number 26. Deuteronomy 11:26. If you don't have a Bible, we'll have the verses on the screen. This is what it says in verse 26. Behold, I set before you today a blessing and a curse. Now, now pause here just a moment. This is what God says. I set before you a blessing and a curse. How many of you think you would probably cho- choose the blessing? Can I just kind of get a consensus? I think I would take the blessing. Here's what it goes on to say in verse 27. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after gods which you have not known. Interesting that God lays this out in the Old Testament It's something that we find from the very beginning of Scripture. Man is created with the power of choice, with the ability to make decisions. And, you know, you and I choose every day. We choose all kinds of things, what we're going to wear, what we're going to eat, where we're going to go in our spare time, what we're going to do, which bill we're going to pay first, what happens here, what happens there. Every day we make all kinds of choices. Life is full of choices. But God says, I have created you with the ability and the power to choose for yourself. So I set before you a blessing and a curse. A little bit later in Deuteronomy chapter 30, God said something very similar again. He said, I set before you life and death. Now we put this together. He said, I'll give you life and blessing, or you can choose cursing and you can choose death. Now, you choose. You choose. But God said, I encourage you to choose the ways, choose the paths that lead to life. I love those words. God says, I'll get involved. You can have my favor. You can have my intervention, but you have to choose that path. You have to make that choice. Or he said, you can choose the path that leads to cursing, to problems, to opposition, to pain, to to failure. You make the choice. And in essence, what God was saying was, you choose your path for your life and for your lifestyle. Blessing or cursing, life or death. Now, why do I start with this today? It's very simple. <clears throat> I think it's sad that in our church world today, there are so many people who become so accustomed to determining their theology and their doctrine based upon what's happened to them rather than with foresight about what's going to happen. What I mean is this. It's amazing how many people 
look at circumstances and say, oh, well, look what's happened to me. Oh, poor me. Nobody's ever had to suffer like me, but that's just God's lot for my life. I must be special and so spiritual because all these bad things are happening, but God keeps causing it because he knows I can handle it, so I'm just going to keep going through all this nonsense and, and let God be glorified in the middle of it. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of the things we deal with a lot of our problems, a lot of our emptiness, a lot of the curses we deal with is because of bad choices we have made. Many years ago when I was a young minister, my throat's tired because I sang too much during worship today. I've been in two services. If you've been here twice, you would have sang a lot with me. But when I was a young minister, I, I did a series of messages because I need to do it for my own study. I did a series of messages on trials. If you study out scripture, there are four or five different kinds of trials. And really to understand what you're going through, instead of just saying, I'm going through a trial, you need to understand what kind of trial you're dealing with. But you know what I learned from studying God's word, from dealing with people? Probably the most common trial we go through is a trial of stupidity. For bad choices that I come on now it's Independence Day weekend loosen up everybody's off tomorrow you're going to be barbecuing and partying okay loosen up just a second here how many have ever made a stupid decision in your life and the rest of you just made a stupid decision by not raising your hand and telling the truth <laughs> God will hold you accountable for that I have done some stupid th- I, I told this story before when I was like 12 years old my dad got used to every year buying fireworks. How many remember when you could shoot off fireworks on your street? I lived in, a, in an area where you could shoot fireworks in the street. My dad every year would buy fireworks and go out and show me how to light the fireworks. So finally when I was about 12 years old, he decided, okay, you're, you're old enough to do this on your own. And he just sat in the house and let me shoot the fireworks off in the street. I had a big box of fireworks. I'm out there by myself shooting off all these fireworks. And I got down to the end and there's one firework that I hated. And you'll have to be my age probably remember. How many remember Smokey Joe? Remember Smokey Joe? He had this little, we called them hobos back in the day. Had this hobo and you, you took this cigar thing and put it in his mouth and you lit it. And you stood back and it just smoked. And it smoked. It sparked a little bit. But mostly it just smoked for like five minutes. Just smoke, smoke, smoke. And then it would go out. Well, I did these things every year. So I thought, oh, this is the last one. And I always saved Smokey Joe for last because I hated it, you know. So I got down to the end. I'm all finished. Here's Smokey Joe. So I light Smokey Joe, and it sits there, and it sparks, and it starts smoking, and it smokes. And, and so I just think, yeah, I've done this before. So I yanked Smokey Joe's cigar out of his mouth and put it in my mouth and just kind of stood there with smoke just blowing. And all of a sudden, that thing backfired and blew up in my mouth. Man, my teeth got... You know, I thought I blew my teeth out of my mouth. My head jarred so hard. I thought, oh, my God. I got hot ashes in there. It's burning. I'm spitting it out. And the worst thing is I hope my dad's not looking because he will beat me when this is over with. And I got my mouth burned. I survived it. I didn't lose any teeth. But I learned to let, and I'm going to tell you, that was stupid. If we have any, most of our kids are in class, but teach your children, don't put Smokey Joe's cigar in your mouth, Okay. But I could have blamed that on God. God, why did you make that happen? And God said, I didn't do that. You're the one that did that stupid. That's on you. The point is, we can't go through life blaming God for everything that doesn't work out the way we want it to. Because sometimes, if we're honest, we'll realize, I, I made a bad decision. I went down a wrong path. And it's all on me. 
If you study scripture, you find that God's paths lead to God's blessings. So we need to learn to choose wisely. So I'm going to spend this morning, the rest of this morning, and the next week talking about paths that bring blessing. Let's look at Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs 3, I love Proverbs 3, some of my favorite verses in scripture in there, and we're going to look at some of them the next couple of weeks. Proverbs 3, let's go to verse number 1. Let's put it on the screen. And I want you to do something with me today. I want you to read these verses as we go. I'll lead you along, but let's read these verses together so everybody repeats them, okay? Here we go. My son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Pretty simple. My son, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. Commands and go on to verse 2. Let's read verse 2 together. It says this For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. How many of you would like to live a long, peaceful life? Okay, everybody in on that one? I like that idea. I want a long life. I want to live a peaceful life. I want things to be tranquil and blessed and successful and prosperous. That's the kind of life I want. So, what am I going to do about it? God gives us some instructions. And the first path I want to talk about today, I'll talk about two paths today and then some more next week. First path is the path of law. The path of law. A lot of us say, I don't talk about law. Come on now. This is the modern day. Don't get into law. That's all Old Testament stuff. Jesus talked about commandments. Jesus talked about the law. There's no reason we shouldn't be able to. In life, there are always going to be laws that govern us. In the universe, in our world, there are natural laws that God has put in place that govern us. The most common one I think of is gravity. How many have ever heard about the law of gravity? It kind of goes like this. What goes up must come down. How many of you learned that one the hard way? I have a, <clears throat> have a nephew uh, who's now passed away, but had a nephew when he was a little kid. They took him to preschool. The first week of preschool, he went to school in his Superman's pajamas. And he's in this new school, and he climbs up on top of this desk or this cabinet, gets way up high, and then he runs across there and dives out into a bunch of chairs and just smashes and gets all beat up and banged up. And they had to take him to the doctor and check him out. No broken bones, but he was beaten up and bruised up pretty good. And he thought, well, I'm Superman. I got my pajamas on. I can run, jump, and I can fly. You know, it's a little kid, doesn't know any better. How many of you tried that when you were a teenager under some kind of substance or influence of something? See, some of you have done the same thing as an adult. The truth of the matter is, what goes up, it's going to come down. It's a law of gravity. And you can fight it, you can do whatever you want to do. But it's there, it's a law that is in place. And there are a lot of laws that God's put in place. And then we look at society in America today. You know, we're a nation of laws. And laws are there for a purpose. For example, some of us own cars that'll go 100, 110, 20, 30. You know, you can buy cars today off the showroom that'll do 175, 180 miles an hour. How many of you own a car that'll do 170 miles an hour? Okay, we've got a few hands. How do you know it'll go that fast? See, I just caught you, didn't I? If we had more time, I'd tell you a good story, but I don't have enough time to tell it. Um, Maybe next week. Here's the point. We have laws in our land because what would happen if people were driving 170 miles an hour on our freeways? What would happen? Well, self-explanatory. You can figure that out. 
We have stoplights. Why do we have stoplights? Obvious reasons. We have laws in place, but the laws are there to bring order to our lives and to bring protection to everybody. And sometimes I think we fail to realize, realize, even as Christians, that God has put laws in place to protect us. You break the laws, you pay the price. I mean, you dive off the top of a building and you miss the swimming pool, you're going to pay the price for it. That's all there is to it. You drive 120 miles an hour, you're going to suffer the consequences of it. Things are going to happen when we break laws. God's laws and laws in general are given to protect us and to bring order. They're also given by God to create boundaries for our lives. And some of us need to be aware that God's given us boundaries that don't need to be violated. Let's go back to verse number one and look at it for a moment. Look at the words and the instructions here. God says, do not forget my law. Do not forget my law. That word forget there literally means misplace. Let's see now. What what did God say about that? I can't remember. Where, Where did I put that? He said, don't misplace. Don't let it be. Don't be oblivious to what God says about things. Don't lose it out of your memory. Don't let your attention get away from it. God says you need to live your life being aware of my laws because they are there as boundaries to protect you and to keep you on a path of blessing. Some of us think God just gives us no's and God says, no, don't do that, don't do this, just to be mean. God does these things to give us safety and boundaries. But he also says this, let your heart keep my commands literally it says let your heart guard my commands the things that i've commanded you the things that i've told you the things i've instructed in you in put them in your heart and guard them and keep them right there so you can maintain them and obey those things what he's saying here is don't just get it in your head get it in your heart Let it become a part of your life. Let it become a part of your lifestyle. So what comes from within you, your actions, the things that motivate you, they are shaped by God's laws and by God's word. And you're on his pathway because God's pathway is always the pathway to blessing. Psalms 119, uh, verse 11, the psalmist said this, your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. What he was saying was God's word, his commandments will keep us on the path of blessing and we need to stay on that path first john chapter 5 verse 3 tells us that god's laws are not burdensome god doesn't put his laws on us to burden us down and make us miserable he puts his laws in our lives to keep us on a path of blessing and protection and safety can't tell you how many people i deal with today who have this concept that God's laws are all outdated and all they do is restrict us. They don't restrict us. They allow us to walk in freedom and blessing is what they do. And we need to honor God's laws and understand how they fit and how they work in our lives. Jesus said this, John 14, 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. How many love the Lord today? Love the Lord? There's a good piece of instruction for us. Learn his commandments and keep those commandments. In John 15, 10, Jesus said this, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You'll stay on the path. 
if you keep my commandments. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and I abide in his love. It's interesting words. And there is so much confusion in the church today when you talk about the commandments of God, when you talk about the laws of God, there's so much confusion. And, you know, I, there's somebody sitting out here right now saying, eh, he's talking about being saved by works and don't give me that law stuff. That's Old Testament. So, friends, I'm not talking about being saved by law. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself by works. You can't live a thousand lifetimes and earn your salvation. The only thing that will earn our salvation is the shed blood of Jesus Christ, trusting that he paid the price for our sins. That's the only way. We're saved by grace through faith, but then we still have to choose paths of blessing that keep God's hand over us, doing the things that he promised to do. We've got so many irresponsible people in the church world today. Going around saying, well, God's going to bless whatever I do. No, he doesn't. Read his commandments. Read his word. And then find the path where God has guaranteed his blessing over our lives. Jesus talked about it. The apostles talked about the fact that in the last days, there would be a spirit of lawlessness. We're seeing it in our land today. I mean, we, we've reached the place where we got people in our country who are above the law. We're becoming a lawless nation. Drive the freeways and watch the way people drive. Watch them once. Laws are going out the window. Certain people don't have to abide by the laws. Jesus warned us and said, be careful because this spirit of lawlessness will lead you to a place where you lose contact and understanding of who God is and what God is. We need to understand God has given us commandments and laws to keep us in relationship with him. And oh yeah, let's go back to that blessing one more time. You want that long life? You want that life of peace and safety and security? Follow the pathway of God's commandments. He will bless your life. Number two, the second path. I want to simply call this the path of perspective. The path of perspective. Before we read the verses, let me explain this to you. Everybody sees life. You see God, you see people. Everybody sees everything around you through some kind of lens. There's some kind of thinking that causes you to look at things around you and process it a certain way. And I'm going to get into that more in a moment. There are things that are in, inherent, things we have learned, things we've accepted that color the way we see everything in life. And that lens, if it's out of focus will cause us to misunderstand things that are going on around us. We need a godly perspective, especially dealing with people. Look at verse number 3 of Proverbs 3. <clears throat> and again, we're going to read these verses together. Let's read verse 3. Here we go. Let not mercy... Come on, y'all got to help me here, okay? Forsake you. Bind them around your neck write them on the tablet of your heart. Now, now pause here for just a moment before we go to verse 4. Notice the very first part of that verse. Let not mercy and truth. Two things, mercy and truth. Don't let mercy and truth forsake you. Don't lose a relationship with mercy and truth. It goes on to say, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Now let's go on to verse number 4. What does it say next? 
and so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. The second path is the path of perspective. Those two words, I think, are, are really important daily life. The first word is the word mercy. Jesus talked about it in the Sermon on the Mount. We need to be merciful people. Blessed are the merciful. We need to be people who show kindness to people. The word mercy here literally means kindness. Not just to think nice things, not just to have nice feelings, but to truly show kindness to people. He said you need kindness in your life. But then second of all, he also said you need truth. Truth. You need stability. The word truth here literally means stability. You need kindness, but you also need a foundation upon which you build and you act where everything makes sense. Mercy and truth. But here's the thing. You put mercy and truth together, and there's going to be a conflict. This is part of what the church world's struggling with today, something our nation's struggling with today. You put mercy and truth together, and it's like this. It's like oil and water. It's like oil and water. I want to be merciful. Well, here's the truth. I want to be honest about this. Well, but I want to be nice. Let me, let me show you why we struggle with that. Some of us have a motivational gift it's called mercy. Some of us, in the way God created us, we, we, we just feel sorry. We're, we're kind of, we got emotions for everything and everybody that's hurting. You're the people that brought home nine stray dogs last month. Oh, you know, no, you know poor people, poor dogs, poor guys. Oh, how did they ever wind up in prison? Those poor people, how did they get there? Oh, those murderers and terrorists didn't mean that or something. We, we have this thing of mercy. And some of us have this mercy gift that everything we see in life is colored by mercy. And we feel bad for people who are in trouble or who are in hurting. I mean, if you've got a strong mercy gift and you're raising kids, you probably never punish those kids. You probably never correct them. Well, those poor kids, they get it from the other side of the family. It's okay. <laughs> it's, it's a motivational gift. It's mercy. But then some of us have a motivational gift that's what Scripture calls prophecy. And what prophecy is, prophecy is truth. Prophecy points a finger and says, it's this. Prophecy is black and white. But here's what happened. You did this, this, this. Therefore, this happened right here. So you did stupid stuff. You get stupid results. You are stupid. That's what prophecy does. It's just black and white. like the old, never mind, I won't get into that either. I don't have time. Here's the point. Some of us are black and white about everything. There's no gray area. Everything's black and white. Well, that's stupid, that's stupid, that's stupid. Everybody's stupid except me. I don't understand what's going on here. Well, I'm one of those guys that I've got prophecy in me. And I look at things and I see, that's not right, that's not right, that's not right. But then I also have this mercy where I hate to hurt your feelings and tell you the truth. So I've got both these things working to me. And you know what? When I have to deal with certain situations, there's a war that breaks out inside of me. Because mercy says do this, and truth says do this. But here's the interesting thing. It says do not let mercy and truth forsake you. Now, let's talk about this. We need 
to learn to live with a balance of mercy and truth. Look at what he said. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Don't let these, literally says, don't let these become loosened so you lose them. You know what happens in life a lot of times? Those of us who are driven by mercy, we lose sight of truth. Those of us who are driven by truth and prophecy, we lose sight of mercy. It gets loose and we get into this lifestyle of doing what's easiest for us. And the first thing you know, we, we, we lose sight of the balance. So here's what he said to do. You need to bind them around your neck. Can you imagine? Try to imagine this. Can you imagine getting a carving, a metal carving? You can have it chrome so you'll be cool if you want. It says mercy, big letters, and then get another one that says truth, and then put a chain between them, and then wrap it around your neck like three times and let it just hang in front of you so you go through life with these two things clanging around. This war's going on, this conflict. Mercy and truth are always, that's literally what he said. Bind them around your neck. Because as you go through life, you're going to need God's help in dealing with people to really understand what's happening in people's lives. Because if you don't understand, you can mistreat situations and make them worse or just cause a situation to go on into oblivion forever and ever and ever. We need the wisdom of God. He said, bind them around your neck. Keep that conflict, that struggle for balance. Keep it right in front of you. He said, write these things. Write those two words on the tablets of your heart. So as you're looking at a situation and you're trying to judge what's going on here and how you respond to it and what you say and what you do in these situations, let mercy and truth be working so you see it honestly and truthfully, but yet you respond to it with mercy. Let me tell you something. It's hard sometimes to find the balance of mercy and truth. You've got to learn to consider both sides of the situation. Here's what Jesus said about judgment. And I want you to listen closely to this. Matthew 7, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Judge not lest you be judged. Later on, I think it's in Luke, he said, Judge not lest you be judged. Condemn not lest you be condemned. Because the way you judge things is the way you're going to receive judgment from others. So in Christianity, we take this. Okay, well, I've got to be careful about judging people. Well, I run across people all the time who are living ungodly lifestyles. They're living, ungodly, they're living in ungodly ways. They're having affairs. They're doing this. They're, they're liars. They're cheats. But they claim to come to church, oh, God is so wonderful and I'm so wonderful too. And then they go out and lie and steal and cheat, live ungodly lives. Oh, I'm just so wonderful. It's Sunday again. Here I am. How many of you people can invest in my new business because I want to cheat you and steal your money? Hallelujah. Glory to God. We don't have that anymore. We used to. Those people gone. But be careful. But here's, here's my point. Here's the point. I want you to hear this. Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. You know what Jesus was saying? Be careful about becoming the judge and the jury and the executioner on people. When you take judgment in your hands and you begin to hammer on people, you're putting yourself in a dangerous, dangerous place. That's a place that only God needs to be sitting. Be careful about that. Jesus never told us that we couldn't look at people's lives and see mistakes that they're making. 
Jesus said a tree is known by its fruit. Look at a person's lifestyle. See what they're producing. And that'll tell you what they're really living and what they really believe. For us to put our head in the ground, and, you know, I hear it all the time. Well, don't you judge me. Don't you judge me. Don't you? You see it in tweets. You see it on Instagram. Don't you judge me. Are you kidding me? If you do stupid stuff, I'm going to have to assume you're kind of, well, thank you. I wasn't going to say it, but somebody did. There's somebody got prophecy right there. Thank you. Hallelujah. Perfect example. See, isn't that a great illustration? But Jesus taught us, find that balance. Jesus was the balance. Let me show you this. Some of you say, well, okay, I'm I'm kind of following you, but I I don't really understand. Let me show you this. The Pharisees bring this woman to Jesus. She's taken in the very act of adultery. They bring her. She's still naked. They throw her in the dirt at Jesus' feet. Says, this woman was taken in adultery. The law says she should die. What do you say? Jesus stoops down, begins to write in the dirt, and says, yeah, you're right. That's what the law says. So we're going to stone her. Here's what we're going to do. Whoever among you has never sinned, you throw the first stone, then the rest of us will join you. Scripture says one by one they begin to walk away. Everybody's gone but Jesus and the woman. And Jesus looks at her and says, woman, where are your accusers? She looks around and she says, nobody's here now but you. Jesus was the only one in that crowd without sin. You know what he said to her? Neither do I condemn you. I'm not going to sentence you to death. I could throw the first stone because I've never sinned. I have a right to judge you. But I choose not to take judgment out on you. I will not condemn you. That's mercy. That's mercy. Everybody say mercy. That's mercy. You know what Jesus said next? Now, go and sin no more. That's truth. Ma'am, before you go, do you know why you're here? It's sin, the path of sin that puts you in this place. Truth. You made some horrible choices. Put you on a bad path that got you this close to dying today. I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. You know why God releases us from our sin? So we'll walk away from it and not go back to the vomit again. We need to understand it's a path that we choose. A path that we choose to walk. Let me give you another story. In John chapter 5, Jesus heals this lame man there by the pool of Bethesda. And, I mean, he's running into the temple. He's running around. I mean, used to be lame. Everybody in town knows him. He's just dancing around having a great time. And the Pharisees are all upset, and they kick him out of their, 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 uh, their, uh, their system, their religious fellowship, kick him out, can't come back here, got to go away. They're all angry about Jesus, and this big thing breaks out. And finally, Jesus goes back into the temple and finds him there. And here's this guy. He's healed now. He's walking around. He used to be lame. Jesus walks up. Here's what he says. See, you've been made well. Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. A lot of you didn't even know that scripture's in the Bible. Here's the thing. Jesus gives mercy, but he also gives truth. Recognize the road and the path that got you where you are. Get on God's road. And friends, I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to deal with people, and all of us do, you have to learn how to balance mercy and truth. 
If you're mercy motivated, you've got to learn how to speak the truth in love. If you're truth motivated, you've got to learn how to be merciful to people. And it's work. But God will help us if we'll put it around our neck and write it on our hearts and not move away from it. And what's the blessing? God will hold us in high esteem and people will hold us in high esteem. You know, a lot of us, and I'm almost finished, but a lot of us struggle with people because we never find a balance. Paul said we need to learn to speak the truth motivated by love. Find the words to say things in the right way that it hits home to help people, not to destroy them. I'll get more into that next week. And, and while I'm on it, I got into this first service. Let me just touch on it before I finish. You know, when, when you preach on Sunday mornings like, like I do here, like Zach does and different people that speak here, there's this delicate dance that's always going on because you, we, we want to try to use words that shed light on things that tell truth without offending people. And you know, I'm, I'm just old enough and just got enough of a background that sometimes I say things real straightforwardly. And sometimes people are offended by that. And you know what's happened the last several months? And I, and I just got to say this. It's Independence Day weekend. You know, in the last several months, I've made everybody mad at me, the Republicans and the Democrats. <laughs> and today I'm going to get the Independence too before we leave the building. But... Several, several months ago, back at the first of the year, when before they even started all the voting and the primary stuff, before we got into that, you know, this is an election year. I had somebody get mad at me a couple of years ago because before election time, I told people, you need to pray and ask God how to vote, and you need to understand what the two parties are voting for. Somebody got mad at me and came up and said, you're trying to influence people. And I said, you're right. Every Sunday morning, I'm trying to influence people to not go to hell. You're absolutely right. That's my job influence people but it's getting to the place in america where anything you say about our nation about our government i mentioned earlier we got people who are above the law in our nation now anytime you say something somebody gets mad and i think part of the reason is some of us our political affiliation is so strong that it comes before our beliefs in God's word and what he says about situations. And we need to examine our hearts about truth. Now, I don't know who I offended with that one, but I'm sure somebody didn't like it. But, you know, I, I was, at first of the year, somebody asked me, what do you think is going to happen this election year? And I said, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is, if you look at America today, look at the mess we've got, look at Congress, the way our nation's divided, look at the left, look at the right, look at all this, you'd have to be a self absorbed egotistical fool to want to be president and you know what i think that turned out to be pretty much prophetic didn't it i know some of you say no that's pathetic that's okay it's close you look at the look at the place our nation is and you're wondering where did we get off a path of god's blessing when did we decide to make bad choices and still expect god to bless us so you know if you're on the right, you can be mad at me. If you're on the left, you can be mad at me. If you're a Republican, you can be mad. If you're a Democrat, if you're an independent, or if you're voting for the guy living in outer space, whoever you're for, I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. 
God's Word is the only thing that's going to lead us in a right pathway. And we need to know and understand the Word of God. We need to know it. And finally, last thing. Everybody take a deep breath. Glad that's over. Galatians 6 verse 1 says this. If a man is overtaken in a fault, those of us who are spiritual should restore that brother with the spirit of meekness. The only reason for us to confront people is to restore them, not to beat them up and to hurt them, not to beat them down. Look at the ministry of Jesus. He confronted sin to turn people in a different direction and get them on a different path. He did it in love. He offered a better alternative. We need to learn from this. The only reason to go confront somebody over their lifestyle or what they're doing is to try to get them on a better path, not to beat them up and put them down. When I was a kid, I was raised in a religious organization, and I was licensed minister for years in an organization. That man, if you made a mistake, they would beat you up. They would put a scarlet letter on you. They would, for years, they would ruin your name, do everything they could because you weren't perfect. And friends, I figured out none of us are perfect. The bottom line is the only reason we confront with truth is to bring mercy and restoration into people's lives. Maybe you're sitting here today, and I've talked a lot about truth, but maybe you're sitting here today. Maybe you've listened to this and you thought, you know, I come face to face with reality. There, there is a God out there. Maybe there's something stirring in your heart right now, and you realize this God thing's true. Maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart today, and you're wondering, what do I do with this? God in his mercy is reaching out to you saying, I love you. And I want you in my family, but I have to have your permission. I need you to choose. I need you to say yes so I can come in. Truth of the matter is, God loves you so much. He put his own son on a cross to pay for your sins. That your sins could be washed away forever. And you could become one of the children of God. That's how much God loves you. He extends grace and says, I'll do this for you. But you've got to let me. You've got to invite me in. Grace is received by faith. According to Scripture, the way we do that is with words. Call it prayer, talking to God, communication with God. I want to lead you in a prayer today, and I want to just give you some words to help open that door in a relationship to God. I'm going to ask everybody here to bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart. Maybe you're sitting there thinking, you know what? I never wanted religion, but there's something here that feels right. That's the Spirit of God telling you I want you to become a part of the family. I want to lead you in a prayer right now, and I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer right out loud with me. Repeat this with me. Everybody say, God, I need you, and I want you in my life. I choose to open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I want your blessing. I believe Jesus paid for my sins. He's the Son of God. He died and was raised from the dead. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. Show me your paths. I will follow you from this moment forward. You are my Father. I am your child. Amen. Amen. Now let me say this this morning before we change the order of things. You just prayed that prayer, whether it's the first time you've ever prayed it or maybe you've just been far from God and you need to come back home.
It's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. And you need to pray from your heart. And I believe you did today. God's accepted you because of your faith in Jesus. He's accepted you. He's brought you into the family. And here's the deal. We want to teach you God's ways. We want to teach you how to walk with God. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's just simple reading for the next week that'll help you understand how much God loves you and how much He wants to do for you. It'll help you start this relationship with God. There's two ways you can get it. When we're finished in just a few minutes here, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. Just walk up to one of these prayer teams and say, hey, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there, no strings attached. Don't need anything from you. If you want to talk with them or you want prayer for something else, they're here to pray with you too. But if you just want to get it and go, that's fine. If you're in a really big rush, you can go to the Connection Center out in the lobby. Say, can I get the booklet the pastor was talking about? They'll give it to you right there. We want to help you get started walking with God. And today, we want to welcome you into God's family. So if you would put your hands together, let's welcome folks into God's family today. God bless you.